First of all, what comes to your mind when you hear the word church? I want some honest answers. What comes to your mind? Holy. Okay. No one else? Pastor. Okay. Sleep in. Okay. I don't know about that, but anyway, that's my wife. <laughs> anyway. What else? I was looking for some... That is... That is that is a true statement, though. Sunday is the hardest morning to get up. Anyone else with me on that? Yeah, all right. Okay. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Anyone else? Place that people go to worship God? Communion. Okay. Preacher? At least we didn't get some of the other answers I was thinking of. A big building. Okay. How's he going say? I didn't hear I didn't hear boring. I didn't hear hypocrites. I didn't hear all these other things. That would Huh? Huh? Fake people, no. You know, we so many times have our mind set on what church is. You know, and one thing for me that I always you know, what always gets to me is when people always say, and, and we're not going to really look at this word tonight, but as a word to think about is this, when we hear that the church is full of hypocrites or fake people, the question to me and always is this, what about you? You know, because the question, you know, for me and you tonight, this is something you have to understand. It's that at some point in each of our lives, we are hypocrites. You know, we are all hypocrites. I mean, you know, we are all that at a time because you know what? None of us are perfect. Until that day comes that we sang about when the city is on the knees, when we come to know Christ, that's when we're going to be perfected. That's when we're going to have no sin. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever done something just out of obligation and have not your heart behind it in church? Anyone ever been there? You just did it because it was a routine, of the ritual thing? Like I said, we all are there. But let me just say, that doesn't give any one of us an excuse to say that we don't want to be a part of the church because the church is full of hypocrites or fake people. That doesn't give anyone an excuse. Because you know what's going to happen is we're going to have to stand for God and we're going to have to answer for ourselves. It doesn't matter. But this is what the church is. And this is not that none of us, no one really said it, but this is what the church is. Yeah, David, thanks, man. Hey? The church is the bride and body of Christ. It's the community of called out believers on a mission for God. It's the saints of God, the salt of the earth, and the hope for the world. The church is God's only plan, that should be planned, for reaching the entire world with the truth of His glory and love. Regardless of what we made it into, God remains completely committed to His church. What a statement for us to think about, because no matter what me and you could do, we could never destroy God's purpose for the church whether we believe it or not. You see, when God, as it says, as God called out believers 
for his will, he calls us out in order for us to be the church. You see, the church is not, when we think of church, church is not a building. The church is me and you who call ourselves believers. And we're going to look at that. But I want you just to think about this. How many of you have a brother or sister in this room? Or you have a brother and sister at all at home? Let me just tell you something. That brother or sister is important, right? But guess what? There's no one that's more important than your brother and sister in Christ. And let me tell you why I say that. It's because for those who know Christ, we are guaranteed that we are a family and that we will spend eternity together with Christ. I can't answer for my brothers. I can't answer for my mom and my dad. And that's for you, me and for you also. You can't say I have my mommy or daddy's salvation. It does not work like that. That's not what it's about. It's about you. You've got to search your heart and your life and ask yourself, am I part of the church? Not Calvary Bible Church or any other church you attend, but are you a part of the body? That's the first word we're going to look at. Are you a part of the body of Christ? Are you part of the body of Christ, which is us who are believers? And I just want to, you know, I want to just read this as 1 Corinthians 12. And you have your Bible, you can look at it, but it's on the screen as well. For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make any less a part of the body. Let me stop there for a second. How many people in this room have ever had a broken part of their body? Broken bone. Let me ask you a question. How many of you ever realized how important that part of the body was when it got broken, after it was broken? How much you used it for? If you ever had an arm broken or, or a foot broken or whatever, you realize just how the whole, you need the whole body. You realize why you need two hands. You realize why you need two legs. Now me, I'm a little deaf in one ear, so you know I have a problem with hearing in both ears. But you know what? I need both ears. Even though this one I can't really hear too much in, and this one is louder. But my point I'm trying to make is when I broke my arm, I realized just how much I used that. I realized how important that was. And this actual verse, this actual passage of Scripture became uh, real to me. Because it showed me that, look, I need to recognize that I need every part of my body. And when we think of what Paul is doing here, Paul is saying that you as Christians, you as believers are one body. Whether you are Jew, whether you are Greek, whether you are slave, whatever you are, you are part of this body. And just like we could think of our body here, the body of Christ needs every member to work together. Now let me just say this. Does the body of Christ work together all the time? What would you say to that? Would you say that Christians work together all the time? No. And that's why we have so much problems today in the church. And let me just say, I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church 
of the universal whole because the body of Christ is not doing what God intended to do. Most of the time what we do is we fight with among each other. You know, we have a problem with somebody, we don't talk to them for months. Sometimes we go to the grave and don't say nothing to them. Does that make it right? No. But us as, the, as believers, we should not be that way. It continues on in verse 17, it says this, If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which are more presentable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving each greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice. Like I said, that is the perfect church. That is what the church, as we think of, should be. The church that we think of should be a body that works together. But I'm sad to, sad to say that it is not like that today. Because every person is still out for themselves. Let's be real. We are selfish people. Most people are selfish because they only worry about themselves. But the body of Christ, as we think of the church, as the body, we are all valuable. Sometimes we put the pastor or, or we think of people that work to the church or missionaries. And let me just say, yes, the pastor has a great responsibility and they will have a lot more you know, to be judged for. But let me just say this. Just as me as a youth pastor, I need you. Just like you need me, just like you need other people in the body of Christ, we need each other. Without you, the body does not function. You know, I, I know, especially, like I said, for a, when I broke my arm and I'm left-handed, and I broke my left arm. My right arm, I never used to use at all. It was like, you know, I never used it for anything that I normally did. But I had to learn to use it. And it, it gained power. It did, I could do other things with it. Not that I could, you know, throw anything with it. But I, I had to learn to use it more than I ever did before. But it's just like, as we think of the body, we need to recognize that I need you, you need me. Nobody in this room can say, well, I don't need you, if you are a true believer. If you say you're part of the church, you cannot look to the person who is another believer and say, I don't need you. That's wrong, because we need each other. Every member, no matter how small it is, or how big the member is, every member has to serve their purpose. Every member has a purpose, and they must carry it out for the body to be what it's supposed to be. The second word I want to look at is ordinances, and that's a big word, and that's why I have to make sure we understand. There are two ordinances that the Bible talks about, baptism and the Lord's Supper. This is the things that we as believers are supposed to do. 
as we think of, first of all, the baptism, we think of how important baptism that even Jesus himself got baptized. And Romans 6, 4, 5 says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Let me just say this. I don't know how many of you in this room have been baptized. But let me just tell you, baptism does not get you saved. And, let me, and this is going to sound, it's not essential to be saved, but it's essential as a Christian. Does that make sense? It's not essential for us to say that if I get baptized, I'm a Christian. No. But as a believer, we are commanded that we should be baptized. Now, I know that our world and how, and how us, as, us as young people think. We think that baptism isn't that important. We think, I don't want to do that. That's not that important. I'm already Christian. I don't need to do that. It's not that really big of a deal. You know, they're only putting you down in water. You know, I could do that at home. But baptism is very important. You know, I, I went throughout my teenage years from about 13 to 16 the same way that baptism isn't that important. But I realized that this is commanded by God, that, G, that we are to be baptized. What is baptism? Can anyone give me a definition? What is baptism? Immersion. Immersion. Now, as this scripture shows us, when we think of baptism, what it, you know, as we think of baptism, we are down, we are dead to life, buried with him, and we are raised. That's what, when we, we do all the motion and we go under the water, we are dying to ourselves, and then we are being, you know, saying that we identify with Christ. Baptism, like I said, is a very important thing. And some people have Christianity in the sense of a step one and step two. But I'm only, a, I'm only a step one Christian. But to be a step two Christian, that's when you get baptized. There's no such thing as step one and step two. You're either all in or you ain't in. Baptism is very important because what it does, is it tells people it's an outward proclamation to people and tell them that you identify with Christ, that you say, I am identified with Christ, I am a believer. That's what baptism is. And I know that some, um, let me just say, I know some denominations teach with sprinkle baptism and baby baptism. I'm talking about a believer's baptism. When you come to know Christ, you're baptized. If we know anything about the New Testament, as soon as somebody came to know Christ, they took him straight into the water to baptize him. They wasted no time. Today, we do a little different. You know, we, we have to, sometimes you have to go through baptism classes before you get baptized, and, you know, we do these things. But let me just say, baptism is a thing that we, as all as Christians, believers, should do as the church. And it's very important that you get baptized with those who you want to, especially if you attend a church, a particular church. It's important you get baptized to the church that you attend so that those believers in that particular church can keep you accountable. That's what it is. So I challenge you tonight, if you've never been baptized and you know Christ as your Savior, and, or if you don't know what baptism is, you don't understand it, why we have to be baptized, well, I'm going to tell you, you have to be baptized because the Lord commanded it to us. And I think too many times, 
Like I said, we think of, oh, if I get baptized, I've got to be perfect now. No, ain't that. But you've got to understand what you're doing. Baptism is something you just take lightly and say, oh, I just go into the water and I'm going to go live my life the way I want after that. No. You're telling the world that, look, I want to identify a Christ. I want you to keep me accountable. That's what baptism is all about. So I challenge you, if you've never been baptized, and if you attend Calvary Bible Church, or if you would like to get baptized, talk to me. Or if you want to know more about baptism, talk to me. Because we are planning a baptism service. The second ordinance is the Lord's Supper. And this is a particular passage that we all have probably heard, if we've ever been to church before, about the Lord's Supper. Now let me just say, the Lord's Supper, communion, whatever you want to call it, it's all the same thing. And that's why Jesus Messiah was the song I wanted to sing because it talks about the body, the bread, you know, the cup, the wine, that represents, first of all, the body is the bread. The cup represents the blood of Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 11:23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup and proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, let me just say this. I know sometimes that, um, you know, sometimes especially that we do it the first Sunday in the morning. Do we really recognize what we're doing? Do you really understand what the Lord's Supper is about? The Lord's Supper is designed for believers. And I'm going to show you exactly how in 1 Corinthians 11 it showed you how we can take it in an unworthy manner. But it's made for believers. It's not just saying, oh, I'm on that bread, I'm hungry, man, I want to get something to eat. And I can drink that cup to wash it down. No, that's not what the Lord's Supper is about. The Lord's Supper is very serious. It's a serious thing. Now, we also have some people who take it to an extreme and say, well, you know what? I'm unworthy to take it. Let me just say this. If you know Christ is your Savior, and you don't have anything against a brother or sister in Christ, or against anyone, and you're right with God, you can take the Lord's Supper. You can take communion. But if you do have something wrong against a brother or sister, before you take that, you better go make things right. If there's any sin in your life, you need, to co- you need to confess it. And that's what verse 27 says. For whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself and then so eat the bread and drink the cup. Now let me just say this. What did it say? It said examine what? Yourself. It didn't say examine everyone else in the church. It said examine yourself. Examine you. Don't worry about what the other person is doing. You've got to search your heart and search your life and say, am I ready for this? Am I right with God? Am I right with people to take communion? You know, we have to recognize in this day what people, people were getting sick. They were even dying because they took the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. That's how serious it was. And guess what? I think today it still happens with some people getting sick. Because we have to recognize just how important this is. 
It's not just a routine thing that we do. Oh, it's coming around. I want no one say, but I didn't, so-and-so didn't take it this week. No. You've got to be right with God, right with people. And let me just say this. That don't give you no excuse not to take it. To say, well, I'm right with people. I'm right with God, so you know what? I just think I take it. You should want to take communion. That's a special thing that we do as a body of Christ. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. That's how important this is. The Lord's Supper is a very important thing. Like I said, the baptism and the Lord's Supper are the two things that we are commanded to do. And the last word we're going to look at tonight is mission. What is our mission as the church? What are we supposed to be doing? Jesus' last words on the earth said this in Matthew 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In verse 19, we all know this. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is what the mission of the church is. The mission for each one of us as we call ourselves, as each one of us in this room who call ourselves a believer, we are the church. This is our mission. Our mission is to go out and win people, disciple people, for the gospel of Christ and that they would be better disciples for him. That's what our mission is. Our mission isn't just to come and sit in the pews on a Sunday morning or uh, Friday and just be comfortable and be like, oh yes, you preach it, brother. You tell me what to do. I'm going to sit here and listen to it the whole time, but I ain't doing nothing. No, the mission of the church is to get up and go out and preach the gospel. But too many times we have so many spectators in the church that all we want to do is sit down and watch everyone else do it. Well, again, that's the pastor's job to do. He got he got to win them people for Christ. No, each one of us as a believer are to win people for Christ. Each one of us as a believer is supposed to tell others about Christ. So I challenge you tonight as we conclude this series, as we think of what we all talked about this whole series. And tonight, as we think of the church, are you a part of the church? Are you truly a part of the church? Not Calvary Bible Church or any other church, but the church, the body of Christ, the members, us. Are you a part of that? If not, if not then you're going to spend eternity separated from God forever.